2: Check out monorail.com, America's affordable investment app, made for conservatives who want to keep their hard-earned money with companies that share their values. Download the Monorail app today. Join Monorail. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. Welcome to my program, or show, You, you choose. You know, I was thinking just the other day, it's amazing, that the use of the word field, like... What field will you be going into? And uh, in what field are you majoring? I, I just, it, it, it bothered me because of the racist overtones of the of the word field. I mean, you, you and I discussed it at length, and uh, USC happily. Yeah, well, had, you were very upset about it. I was upset,
0: and immediately you went to the reason why. So well
2: yeah, I must admit I, I wasn't as articulate as USC. It was a hunch. Yeah. The, see, the hunch is as follows We have such losers running our universities, losers in every way, morally and intellectually in, in particular. These these are mediocrities. They're dangerous mediocrities because they run universities. And they're bored. And they need to justify their very high salaries. At Stanford, there are as many administrators as students. Do you understand that? I would love to know how many administrators were at Stanford when it was actually a good university. There is a direct correlation between the number of administrators and the academic and moral deterioration of schools direct. They are related. They are causative. So yes, indeed, I was kidding, by the way, because sometimes I have to announce it because I can say anything with a straight face. I uh, did not think that the word field was racist. They beat me to it at Stanford. USC. I mean, at at USC. Thank you. They're interchangeable, but yes. So here you have from the Daily Caller, the University of Southern California... Suzanne Dworak Peck School of Social Work. Is that perfect? A female and with a hyphenated name. Schools of social work are notoriously foolish. And foolishness is a root of evil. You can't be good if you don't have wisdom. It's not possible. And our schools, like schools of social work, are anti-wisdom. Wasn't it the, what was it, the black social workers, whatever their group was called? This was back in the 1980s, I believe. They said that it was racism, and I think they used the word genocide for white parents to adopt a black child. Yes. The, the roots of the current rot run deep. It will no longer, the University of Southern California School of Social Work, the Suzanne Dwarak maybe it's pronounced Dvorak, I don't know, Dvorak a peck School of Social Work will no longer use the word field in its curriculum or its practices as part of its anti-racist framework. This email was sent out Monday. What is today? Wednesday. The school reportedly stripped the word from use due to alleged ties to anti-black and anti-immigrant rhetoric you know when I read this I still was thinking I don't I don't follow I, I really didn't follow according to the email sent by the practicum education department to the campus community faculty staff and students now to give you an idea of what I mean by the sheep-like behavior of faculty and students, none, virtually none, maybe not one, will raise an objection to this. This is the naked emperor. The emperor is naked and everybody is speaking about how beautiful his clothes are. The school informed that the word practicum would be used instead. To ensure its use of inclusive language and practice. Practicum.
0: Commonly
2: used. Commonly used. Now, I assume it's Latin, right? But why isn't that racist? The Latins were white, the the Roman Empire, and they had slaves, oh my God, in vast numbers. This change supports anti racist social work practices. By replacing language that could be considered anti-black, black black is capitalized, of course, or anti-immigrant in favor of inclusive language. Language can be powerful, and phrases such as going into the field or field work, oh, that's where it is. Uh, What field are you going into is racist? Um, I want you to understand all of this proves how little racism there is in america when you have this is a, another race hoax this is like when black kids paint the n word uh, on a dormitory door to have white students portrayed as racist at their university this is another race hoax that the word field is racist why are there so many race hoaxes because there's so little racism you have to make it up. Would any of you have thought, hey, what field are you going into? As being racist? Or, all right, anthropologists, you'll have to do some field work. Because it may have connotations for descendants of slavery and immigrant workers that are not benign. Ooh, not benign. That's right the first thing a black or immigrant kid thinks of when they say, what field are you going into, that you are a racist. Yes, I actually have the letter here. As we enter 2023, we would like to share a change we are making at the Suzanne Dworak Peck School of Social Work to ensure the, our use of inclusive language and practice, specifically, we have decided to remove the term "field" from our curriculum and practice and replace it with practicum now here's an interesting question: Will it catch on what uh, uh, what uh, practicum are you going into <laughs> You know that, uh, what was it, Uh, Stanford announced that you shouldn't use the word American because it's an insult to those who live in the Americas because South American, Central American countries, they're all American. That only U.S. citizens say, I'm an American, a Colombian, a Uruguayan, a Mexican, a Canadian, doesn't say I'm an American, did not matter to Stanford. When you have as many administrators, all, every single one of whom is a woke fool running your university, this is what you get. So this is from their letter, the actual letter sent out. Language can be powerful and phrases such as going into the field or field work may have connotations for descendants of slavery and immigrant workers that are not benign. I read you that from the article. The change aligns with the Council on Social Work Education Advancing Anti-Racism in Social Work Education. That exists. It's all capitalized. It's a group. Again, the Council on Social Work Education Advancing Anti-Racism in Social Work Education through educational accreditation palaces and standards. So it's the C S W E A A S W E. Working through the E-A-P-S.
0: Catchy. Very catchy.
2: Catchy? Somebody was paid $150,000 to come up with that.
0: Can you explain the... Can
2: I explain what?
0: The field work, why that is racist? Why
2: field work? Because you're going into the field and slaves worked, worked in fields. I ca that's the only thing I can come up with you asked and that's my my answer so I I tell you it's hard to imagine a word that doesn't have racist connotation why isn't work field work slaves worked I think work should be abolished you're going to work what are you a slave What do you think? It makes as much sense as field. The whole thing of field work is chock full of racism. How much do you spend to send your kid to USC? If you know me, you know I love wisdom. It's often been said to become rich, you should invest like the rich, but that's easier said than done. Investments like luxury real estate, private equity, and hedge fund products are closed off to 93% of Americans, but... There is a new way for everyday folks to invest. A new online platform lets everyday Americans invest in a massive multi-trillion dollar asset class that's been limited to the 0.1%. I'm talking about high-end art. You don't need millions of dollars, you just need Masterworks. They've scrutinized over $600 million worth of art. In fact, one member has made over $65,000 from his investments in Masterworks offerings. I decided to partner with Masterworks.com to get VIP passes to skip to the front to secure your spot. Head to Masterworks.com. Art slash Dennis. That's masterworks.art slash Dennis. See important disclosures at masterworks.com slash cd.
3: All right, everybody.
2: Dennis Prager here. 1-8 Prager 776. USC is School of Social Work. School that produces non-thinking fools as a general rule has now come out against the word field because of its racist connotations. Yep, you got to do field work. I don't know why work doesn't have racist connotations. Please, please, please understand all of this is a proof of how little racism there is. The left manufactures ho- hoaxes. I wrote an article giving example after example of race hoaxes. In other words a minority student, or a left-wing student did something racist on a campus in order to blame the campus and whites of racism. To the best of my knowledge, and no one has even uttered, they've. I've been attacked, of course, because that's what the left does, attacks persons. It doesn't refute ideas. I would like to see proof, or even an argument, that most of... What is called racist that happens on campuses is actually done by racists. They manufacture this stuff just like USC is manufacturing the idea that field is a racist term because there is so little racism. There weren't race hoaxes when there was Jim Crow. In other words, when there really was racism in the United States, there weren't hoaxes. And the same in Germany. No Jew made up an anti Semitic hoax. They didn't have to. The real thing was so powerful. Such a great point. My producer just said such a great point, is a man of few compliments, and the reason I I share it with you is that virtually no leftist will hear the point. That is what is distressing. We hear them. We watch them. We read them and we study under them. They don't watch us. They don't hear us. They don't uh, they don't study under us and they don't read us. That's the big difference. There was a piece yesterday in the New York Times. Uh I'm going to interrupt my thought here with a thought related. I see these things in the New York Times so often and I truly berate myself for not writing them out and just listing them to show the staggering leftism of the New York Times that is so embedded that they lie without knowing it. There was a piece yesterday by one of its writers, Michael Grinbaum, I believe, G-R-Y-N, an interesting spelling, that's why I remembered it. And it was about Governor DeSantis, how he's actually worse than Donald Trump. This was an article, not an opinion piece. And the reason is Trump would meet with the press, but DeSantis doesn't. He ignores the press. Fine. All of a sudden, Donald Trump, I had not seen Donald Trump complimented. Oh, the whole thing was complimentary. He would meet with the press. He would joke with them. You know, all of a sudden, Donald Trump's a wonderful guy in a New York Times. But that's not the reason I'm bringing this to you. He said uh and so DeSantis attacked ABC uh ABC News and then he uses the word the a writer for the New York Times and other uh what is the word for um non political, non sectarian what is the word? Oh God. When you're 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 above politics you're not right or left. Uh, anyway, he used the word, n- basically non-political, non-sectarian, non-partisan. Non-partisan. That's it. Okay. Not po- non-partisan. And he, it, it was, it was not. It, it was, he described ABC News and the whole mainstream media as non-partisan. That's a lie. But the man doesn't know it's a lie. So when I ask, do leftists know when they're lying? Sometimes they do, but I don't think most of the time they do. They actually believe at the New York Times that the New York Times is nonpartisan. The self-image of people on the left is they're nonpartisan. We're right-wing. I'll give you an example. Whenever the left describes me, it's the far right or conservative Dennis Prager. But they never describe people in the media on the left as left-wing, far left, or even liberal, just as talk show host or columnist or writer or, or journalist. There are two groups. According to the left, there are basically two groups in America. The right... And the nonpartisan. Right? Isn't that great? Yeah. That that's 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 what they believe. They live in a make believe world. It's the, the world that men give birth. They make believe that the New York Times and ABC News are nonpartisan. This was in an article, not an opinion piece. DeSantis attacks the nonpartisan media. Not left wing, not even liberal, nonpartisan. <laughs> they don't even realize it. I'll give you a Jewish example. There's the the biggest provider of Jewish news is the the JTA, the Jewish Telegraphic Agency. It's very old, as you would imagine, from the, from its name. Last year at Passover time, they did a feature piece on new Haggadahs that have come out. The Haggadah is the ancient prayer book, ritual book for the Passover Seder. I published one with my commentary. It was the best-selling Haggadah in the United States of America by far, by far. There wasn't a close second, and they didn't even mention it. But they're, they're, they think that they're nonpartisan at the Jewish Telegraphic Agency. It, it pervades the entire left wing. They lie, they distort, they deceive, they cover, they suppress. But they're nonpartisan. Hi, everybody. Before I go to call 1-8 Prager-776, a, a reminder... Of a point I made earlier, what you heard from me with regard to, not regards, by the way, in case you you love English, just know that. With regard to USC, what you just heard from me that the School of Social Work is banning the term field. Field work, what field are you going into? Because. It smacks of slavery and racism. You know it now, obviously. Many people who are conservative will know it. But your friends and relatives who are on the left have no clue about any of this. I asked someone I know in my extended family, who is a liberal, not a leftist, a, a, an extremely intelligent did you ever hear of Jordan Peterson? who's Jordan Peterson? I'm sure that I would have gotten the same with Tom Sowell. We know we know their crowd. It's so suppressed our books are not covered by the mainstream media. Imagine if a liberal, I give my example, only because I know my life better than any other life. Imagine if a liberal, a well known liberal, as well known as I am as a conservative, was also knowledgeable of biblical Hebrew and ha- was writing a five volume commentary on the first five books of the Bible and they became national bestsellers. You think that would be covered by the New York Times or Washington Post or Good Morning America? Of course i don't need, I'm not even complaining. This is not a complaint. I have a terrific life and a lot of publicity. I'm just noting that not only do they lie, they suppress. We don't exist except as fanatics, as haters, as QAnon followers. I don't even know what QAnon is, and I swear to God I'm telling you the truth. I've never seen it. I don't know what it is. All I know is it's always mentioned on the left. Because they, they have no problem in making up things. I have a very witty call here from Steve in Murrieta, California. Hello, Steve. Sean, are the phone lines open?
4: Can Can you hear me?
2: Now I can. Yes.
3: Okay. Well, uh, good morning, Dennis. Uh, one is left to wonder what USC will refer to their ballplayers out in the out practicum, uh, left practicum, center practicum, and
2: you know what? If if I if I handed out cigars for great calls, you would get a box. Oh,
3: you're talking to a cigar lover, right?
2: Uh, oh, even better. Yes, you're right. Yeah, so, sure. uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. And now, uh, Battinga is the uh, the left practicum, batting in the fourth position, clean up. He plays. Uh, well, it's left, important
3: but, they be consistent.
2: Now that's right. You're you're a good man. Where's Marietta, by the way?
3: Marietta is in uh, sort of South Riverside County. It's on your way to San Diego off the 15.
2: Okay, I know exactly where you are. Temperature what? Temperature. Is, is it, what is the temperature yeah. there right now?
3: Fifty-two.
2: Fifty-two. So a bit of a continental
3: climate. We got some pretty uh, significant temperature swings. Cold yes, in the winter, I, and that's uh, why I asked. Well, by California.
2: I yeah. I got my basset hound in your area, if I'm not mistaken, and it was it was snowing when we picked him up. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, it'll it'll snow up in the hills near Lake Elsinore, but not not so much in Myriad. It didn't it didn't get quite that cold, right?
2: Anyway, it's a joy to hear from you. Yes, I'm now playing left practicum. Definitely
0: will catch <laughs> on. Huh? Definitely will
2: catch on. Catch on. I'm I I got to remember this. The left is a parody. There's a lot of talk about the Great Reset and digital currencies. The U.S. government has been floating the idea of a digital dollar for quite some time, opening up the door to the government controlling your bank account, or worse yet, freezing your money. They did that in Canada, remember? This is Dennis Prager for AmFed, Coin, and Bullion, and for my friend Nick Grovich. Now more than ever in this woke world, it's important to own tangible assets like gold and silver. Owning physical gold and silver gives you control over your wealth. They're proven stable commodities that have held their value over time beyond the overarching reach of government. And it's so important you do business with a trustworthy and transparent company like Amfed Coin & Bullion. Amfed's owner, Nick, and his experienced team will always provide you with honest, sound advice. No pressure sales. Moving a portion of your wealth into precious metals is a prudent decision. Call Amfed Coin & Bullion. 800-221-7694 AmericanFederal.com AmericanFederal.com
1: Yes, 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 go on,
2: go
3: on. Hello everybody, Dennis
2: Prager here. We have Dr. Fussbend in the studio. What what was that? What was the new What was the movie again? What's New Pussycat with Peter Sellers? a
0: lot of stars Woody
2: Allen's in it too? Yeah, Woody Allen and Peter Sellers? Peter
0: Sellers Peter Two of
2: the giants of, of comedy of and, the last yeah. generation, oh, no.
0: giants. Peter O'Toole.
2: Peter O'Toole. And, uh, yeah, I, I got to see it again. I I, that's I saw it. What's
0: that's the great theme song.
2: What's new, Pussy Game? The the great theme song. Who wrote that? I
0: don't know who wrote it, but it's uh uh-huh. Tom Look Jones it up. It. I'm curious. Yeah, Tom, Jones.
2: Tom Jones sang it. I wonder if kids watch movies made before they were born. Does does any generation watch movies made before they were born? I don't have an answer. Anyway, welcome to the Male Female Hour, second hour every Wednesday, the most honest talk I know of in the media with regard to men and women. So I've got a beauty today, and this is an example of learning from callers. It is said that you make compromises when you marry. I don't mean compromises in the person. There's compromises in your lifestyle. And I'll give a couple of examples. And I'd like to know what would you isolate as the one or two biggest compromises, if any. If you made none, I'm even interested in that. But if you have made... And it's no poor reflection on your spouse. By the way, you make compromises if you have a roommate. The moment you have a roommate, same sex, opposite sex, marriage, non-marriage, the moment you live with someone, theoretically there are compromises. You like the room hot, the other person likes it cold. I mean, that's a perfect example. So I'd like to know what comes to your mind. By the way, that might be what comes to your mind. Generally, the man likes it colder than the woman does. Now, since I am guided by the gift of God called reason, I've never quite understood that, given that she or he, if he's the one who wants it hotter, the one who wants it warmer can get warmer, more clothing, more blankets. But the one who wants it cooler can't get cooler. Even if the person sleeps with no clothing, they're not going to get particularly cooler. But that would be an example. I was thinking of my smoking a cigar. My wife, to my everlasting gratitude, doesn't care that I smoke a cigar in... The one designated room for inside smoking, but it's the room that matters, because that's the room where I do most of my work. Then she sits in there with me. And we do have an air purifier, but nevertheless, there is cigar smoke. She doesn't care. Many men that I talk to express to me how lucky I am, because their wife would not tolerate any indoor smoking. And so they go outside, even in cold climes like Canada. In the winter, I don't even enjoy smoking outside. So I, uh, it, it would, it would almost end my cigar smoking world, which is a source of great pleasure in my life. I know I'm not addicted. For those of you who have drunk the Kool Aid on all tobacco as opposed to cigarettes. And chewing tobacco, which really are dangerous. Uh, My proof that I'm not addicted is very often when I'm on the road, there's no chance to smoke. Uh, Especially when I go to uh, foreign countries. So there'll be a week that that I, I don't. I was just in Denmark, as many of you know. I didn't smoke a cigar once the entire trip. There was no place to do it. Can't do it in the hotel. And I don't like smoking outdoors, and I couldn't find a a cigar lounge. And I don't smoke on the Sabbath because of the biblical prohibition on lighting a fire, which almost none of you are aware of, totally understandably, even if you are religiously inclined. It's in the book of Exodus. Because fire is creation, and we imitate God on the Sabbath, not creating It's a beautiful idea, and I am a fan of it. I explain it in my book on Exodus, the Rational Bible. I also have a book on Genesis and a book on Deuteronomy, and I'm halfway through a book on the book of Numbers. You can get them all at the Prager store, signed, or at Amazon at cost without a signature. It's called the Rational Bible. And I promise you, it will be life-enhancing and even life-changing. Anyway, the question is compromise. What compromises have you made? This will bother every single one of you, but uh, i not every single one of you. I take that back. I, I, about half of you. <laughs> uh, men, men make a compromise. Both sexes do in order to create a home. Men give up their variety orientation to be monogamous. It is part of their nature to have multiple sex partners. It is male nature. The proof is that gays want many men and that is the proof. It's not created by society in fact it's suppressed by society. And I've talked about this in the past because I don't know how to avoid telling the truth. But it's easy because people are afraid of the consequences. Anyway, what compromises have you made? I'll give you a, a little one. Well, actually, the person who told me this does not consider it little. but
0: No compromises.
2: That's an interesting point. I'm not sure that's true. No compromise is considered literal little. <laughs> that's your theory? Uh-huh. Not by, the by the by the person making the compromise. I understand. That's a very that's also an interesting subject. I'm so geared to the big picture in assessing what to complain about that I I do believe that there are small compromises and big ones. Anyway, whether you consider this small or big, so here is one that was told to me. uh, One spouse loves to collect things, and the other spouse does not like to collect things. And it drives the spouse who doesn't like to collect things a little crazy to have all these things around the house That spouse likes a more sparse environment. The bigger picture is that you build something when you get married. You build a home. And compromise, if the compromises are not really, really troubling, they're certainly worth it.
0: How about this one?
2: Yeah, you have one, yes?
0: You uh, don't like cats.
2: Can I say it on the air? Sure. Okay, so this is from The Living Martyr. Now you'll know one of the reasons he is known as The Living Martyr. What if you don't like cats and your spouse does? (laughs) I need to do, I, I think I need to do one hour on, call me up if you dislike your pet, I'll I'll interview you first for an hour. <laughs> for an hour, we won't even take calls. <laughs> well, what compromises have you made for your marriage? And that's the question on the table. One eight Prager seven seven six eight seven seven two four three triple seven
0: six.
2: Hello, everybody. Male-female hour, what compromise or compromises have you made for your marriage? I gave a few examples, and now we'll hear from you. Mm, Bill in Zion, Illinois. Hello.
3: Good morning, Dennis. It is an absolute honor to talk to you today.
2: I'm touched. Thank you.
3: So when my wife and I first got married 33 years ago, and we moved into our first apartment. Unfortunately, we discovered that we are both inclined to sleep on the same side of the bed.
2: I find now, that the, wait, let me let me forgive me. I I don't fully understand that. I understand wanting to sleep on your right side or left side or back. Very few people sleep on their stomach. That makes perfect sense to me. I like to sleep on my right side or my left side, but why? Why does the side of the bed matter?
3: I'm not entirely sure, but it seems it seems to be a physiological thing. Huh. Uh, for example, when I, all of my childhood, I pretty well slept with my face to the wall, and that was on the right side of the bed. Uh-huh. That might be it, and perhaps my wife did as well. I never really explored it, but it was, it seemed like I never, I never could sleep as well on the left side of the bed. I would go to a <laughs> hotel and there's no wall side Yeah, in a hotel and, and there's no wall side when you are sharing a bed with somebody else. So, uh, the, now the first apartment was really small. So I tried suggesting bunk beds. She didn't go for that. So I have, been sleeping on the left side of the bed for the last 33 years through multiple moves and uh, some bedroom rearranging and you
2: you still consider it a compromise after 33 years
3: it's, it's something I don't worry about it as much anymore it's just something that you kind of you get used to dealing with it you know like drinking a kind of a brand of coffee that you don't really like but this this in this case, I mean, I sometimes fall out of bed because I'm facing the wrong direction. To and this try day, to roll
2: over. To this day,
3: yes. To this to this day,
2: that is hilarious. I'm sorry, I shouldn't be saying it's hilarious. That is really sad. I gave the wrong response. <laughs> Man falls out of the bed, and I say it's hilarious. Boy, I never would have thought that one up. I don't give a hoot what side of the bed I sleep on. And we're so often on the road, my wife and I, in hotel rooms, it's it's really based on where there are more electrical outlets <laughs> on the right side or the left side of the bed. Do you care?
0: Yeah, I think I care. You, you do care. Yeah, yeah.
2: That is fascinating. Yeah. Not what side you're but sleeping gotta,
0: on. We've re- reached a, uh, a good you, understanding. Well, you
2: both like the same side as well as no, just no, like no, he no, does? No, no. no. Also, oh, so you didn't have a compromise. A compromise no. I see.
0: I care which side of the. Bed. You, but you do care so if which side. When you go to a hotel, and when you I go to a hotel, the right, left side, she takes the right? You
2: take side. the left side. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine a preference. I mean, I am now on the right. It is. It's fun these, these things uh let's see uh, tony in orange county california hello
4: good morning mr prager it was an honor and pleasure meeting you at chapman university last
2: year thank you sir I,
4: uh, sorry when i was younger i rode a motorcycle when i got married i gave up riding a motorcycle why and i wasn't asked wait wait why i wasn't wait. yeah because i uh thought it was too dangerous to go in a partnership with someone The fact that I would take that danger on myself, which now I'm divorced and I still ride. I didn't think at the time it was fair to engage in a partnership or a marriage and then ask that
3: person to accept the danger on myself that I was uh, doing. Did
2: you have children? No. Yeah, it sounded like you didn't. Because if you had children, theoretically, you should shouldn't have driven it even after the divorce
4: yes no i that would have been another as you correctly pointed out obligation i would have that
3: wouldn't be right for me to take that danger on myself
2: well i i think you were right it's it's painful for me to say because a dear friend of mine died in a motorcycle crashed the great frank pastore it's a, still a painful loss so you resumed after divorce. Are you thinking of remarrying?
3: Yes. If I did, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't write again. I mean I think that's uh,
2: uh-huh. well that, that's good. I, I, I happen to agree with you. Thank you for calling. One eight Prager seven seven six. Compromises you have made for the sake of your marriage. Okay, this one is really a riot because it's hard to believe that it constitutes a compromise, but it it does. It's a funny one. Emma in Idaho, hi.
3: Hi. So, the direction of the toilet paper. This is a man who will go into other people's bathrooms and change the toilet paper so it goes over, not under. And it was a real... It was was a real... um, conundrum because I didn't understand it. So I, I do. I but, do.
2: It's much easier you? to to pull the toilet paper if it's over. <laughs> I don't understand the other. It's it's stuck to the wall practically. I'm with your husband.
3: Well there you are. I <laughs> know well I compromised.
2: Wait, you, you liked know, it the like other wait, you liked it the other way?
3: I didn't care.
2: Okay. All right.
3: Yeah. So there you are.
2: Is that the biggest compromise you've made in your
3: marriage? <laughs> Probably not, but that's the one that uh-huh. is, it's funny and Okay, fair you know, enough. Like like yep. Thanks, Dennis.
2: Bless you. <laughs> I don't understand the other one. What was that, Sean? We'll be back in a moment. Compromises you have made. For your marriage.
0: The Dennis Prager Show.
2: When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now and type in Dennis Prager under podcast when you sign up. Spelled b a m b e e . c o m dot com, dot com, type in Dennis Prager. Hello my friends, I'm Dennis Prager. My uh, contempt for the CDC, I thought could not be increased, but they not only turn out to be Uh, power-hungry ignoramuses, but they actually turn out to be cruel. It's hard to overstate the damage, the CDC, FDA, like CIA and FBI, you name the initials and you know how much damage, because it's run by weak people and often bad people, like the 51 heads of intelligence agencies who signed a letter a few weeks before the 2020 election saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation in order to get Biden elected. They're liars. They're cheats. They're, they're, they are harmers of the country. And the same holds true for the CBC and its heads and the FDA. These are corrupt organizations but I didn't realize they were also filled with cruel people. So I have an example for you. From USA Today, of all places, it's not not a right-wing source, the CDC has abandoned pain patients. Its new opioids guidelines are all for show. In a nutshell, but I will give you more than a nutshell in a moment, The people who run the CDC don't give a damn about people in pain in this country. Simple as that. They don't give a damn about you. You're in chronic pain. Screw you, baby. That's the attitude of the CDC. I know a man who killed himself because he couldn't get painkillers because of the excruciating pain I know he was in. He was a happy-go-lucky guy. This was not a depressed man. When I spoke at his memorial service, and by the way, you could read, I wrote, I wrote about this. It, uh, he was the father of my uh, stepsons, and I, I wrote about it when it happened. And I said it. I said at his memorial service that had I been in his pain and and unable to get painkillers because of the despicable medical establishment of this country, despicable, vile. People ruining Americans' lives. I don't know why. Why does the scum rise to the top in medicine, in academia, in government? I don't know why. But that's what happens. I'm so angry about this, and I have no pain. But if you're not angry about this, there's something wrong with you. If you continue to believe the CDC has your welfare in mind, you're a fool. You are a damn fool. It is a rotten organization, rotten to the core. How many innocent lives must be harmed before the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention changes course on prescription opioids? The CDC recently released opioid guidelines, a recommendation for physicians prescribing practice physician prescribing practices and an update to the original 2016 document which wrongheadedly attempted and failed to solve the opioid crisis by preventing physicians from prescribing pain medication to patients. By the way, the AMA, which is also scum rising to the top, the AMA apparently doesn't even lobby for doctors to be able to, to know what is best for their patients. Doctors, you have become sheep. You've allowed yourselves to become sheep. You couldn't even prescribe hydroxychloroquine and zinc, or ivermectin, unbelievably safe drugs, about as safe as as drugs exist. In California, you do the wrong thing. According, You say you question anything about the epidemic, about the pandemic, about the vaccines. You can lose your license as of last week in California. Has the AMA lobbied on your, your behalf? Of course not. Doctors are being rendered by the CDC and the AMA as nothings. You are cogs. You look up on the computer what the symptoms are and then see what you're allowed to prescribe. That's basically what a doctor's job is in California and increasingly around the country. Your patient is in agony? Tough. I don't want to lose my license. I'm not giving you painkillers. Go screw yourself is the motto of the CDC to the American people. Go screw yourself is the motto of the American Medical Association and above all, the Democratic Party. And doctors, many will still vote Democrat. Six years later... With millions harmed, the CDC emphasizes that its guidelines should never be used for, quote, an inflexible rigid standard of care and patient abandonment. However, if you read the fine print, that is precisely what I see the CDC advocating for. This is by Peter Pischke, a disabled freelance journalist who writes for USA Today. The original guidelines came about from a lethal combination of bureaucratic arrogance. That's a good way of putting it. Bureaucratic arrogance and do goodery. Yes, do goodery. Every person who does harm thinks he's a do gooder, just for the record. Okay? CBC, Fauci, the whole crowd. They think they're angelic. Even teachers who screwed children over and continue to do so think they do good. That's why I wrote my column this week on the general uselessness of the conscience. Everyone who hurts people has a clear conscience, just about everyone, including the teachers' unions. The organization foolishly trying to stop substance abuse by making prescribing more difficult and thus the drugs more challenging to acquire on the black market. According to the Journal of Pain Research, "quote data suggest that the overdose crisis is largely an unintended consequence of drug prohibition." Yeah, why do we have pro- Why did we get rid of prohibition on uh, on alcohol, and and we have prohibition on opioids for pain? Among these drastic changes was a limited for a limit for acute pain at three days three days? Who's in acute pain for three days? You understand? The CDC is filled with cruel people. They're nice. If you meet them, I'm sure they'll be very nice to you. The sum total of the CDC has been disastrous for human beings. And the AMA and the Pediatrics Association, and the American Psychological Association, the American Psychiatric Association, and the Children's Hospitals, taking girls' breasts off, as they say they're boys. You know why? Because human nature pretty much stinks, okay? And we have no character-building institutions any longer. So people who have not mastered the art of decency, wisdom, and goodness rise to the top. They're bureaucrats, that's all they are. From Fauci on. They're bureaucrats. They know how to rise to the top. That's their only talent. Kessler at the FDA and and the and the other the others. God, it's so angering. Scum rises to the top, or to be really precise, the mediocre rise to the top, and then they become scummy because they have the power to do good and they don't. I'm so angry on behalf of people in chronic pain. I I can't uh, I can't tell you. I, I I'm not hiding it, so I guess you know. A limit for acute pain at three days, and a new hard limitation at 90 morphine milligram equivalents whatever the hell that is for all prescriptions substantiating an unscientific term not used by anyone but the CDC (laughs) that's why I don't know guess you have to be in the CDC to know what a morphine milligram equivalent is which not only established an absurdly low dose for some patients but insinuated that the needs for pain treatment from patient to patient are the same regardless of individual metabolism and bodily chemistry. I wonder if they suffered the pain. This is what I suspect. If the heads of the CDC suffered the pain of these pain patients that they are depriving of painkillers, what do you think they would do? And I'll tell you what I believe. I think they'd figure out how to acquire them. These are not good people. Back in a moment. The best-selling Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier uses proven Oxy technology that quickly destroys viruses, odors, mold, and so much more. With over 265,000 units already sold, you know it works. Works in my house. Any smell will vanish after just a few seconds with the thunderstorm being on. Odors from litter boxes, trash cans, cigarette smoke, dirty diapers, and more are no match. Best of all, no filters are needed. Saves you money and effort. Right now, you can save $200 on an Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack for whole home protection. You'll get three units for under $200. Put one in your basement, bedroom, family room, kitchen, or anywhere you need clean, fresh air. The Thunderstorm is nearly silent and takes up no floor space. It plugs directly into your wall. Don't breathe dirty air again. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Put in discount code PRAGER3 to save $200. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Discount code PRAGER3. Shipping is free. Uh, it, it can be depressing to know how bad the people are who run the major organizations of this country, from the American Medical Association to the children's hospitals. Uh, uh, in so many cases, the psychiatric association, the psychological association, the teachers' unions—it's really bad people have taken them over, and they all think they're good. And that's the amazing thing. But it's not—I take that back. It's not amazing at all. I've known this all of my life. Most people who do bad think they're wonderful. Especially the people who ideologically do bad. It's called the left. And if one thing leftists are convinced of, it's how good they are. So the latest is, it's harder and harder if you're in chronic pain to get pills. Because of CDC guidelines and doctors being threatened with the loss of license, if they even prescribe painkillers. For more than three days. 1-8 Prager 776. like to know what doctors think of this. Wouldn't it be nice if $5,000 said the CDC is hurting your life? That's it. Just that. Anyway, the New York Times would, would ignore it, as they did the Great Barrington Declaration, where thousands of people in the sciences said that the lockdowns were hurting people's lives and ruining children and the New York Times, I don't think gave a single uh, inch to the Great Barrington Declaration. I may be wrong. I will check it. But I recall nothing. <sighs> Whatever the CDC's intentions, the document was interpreted by 38 state legislatures, the federal government, law enforcement, Congress, every state medical board, hospitals, and countries worldwide as a hard rule and clarion call for an open season on pain patients and their prescribers. How's that? Open season on pain patients? Yeah. Thus was born an opioid prohibition. As physicians understood, they prescribed opioids at the risk of job loss and incarceration studies it's it's so it's a sick world that the left has created sick they're really hip on on marijuana but painkillers that's the crisis Studies and qualitative evidence overwhelmingly show that many, perhaps most, physicians now refuse to take on new patients who need opioid medication. Isn't that amazing? I told you, doctors are becoming cogs. Period. End of issue. Left-wing cogs among the young, I might add. Potentially millions of patients have been abandoned when you consider that one in five Americans suffers from chronic pain. And in 2019, up to 18—excuse me, up to eight million of them relied on opioids for long-term therapy. There's now an even more strict limitation at 50 MME. Remember that morphine milligram equivalents, whatever the hell that means, down from the previous 90. So doctors can now prescribe less. The 2022 CDC guidelines are more stringent on opioids than the 2016 guidelines not less. Wow. Yes. Okay. So let's take a, a different take. Tom in Philadelphia. Hello.
1: Hey, how you doing today, Dennis? Fine. Thank you. You seem, you're right. You seem mad. <laughs> I am. I know. I could tell. But listen, we had a major opioid crisis and it started with the pill mills in this country. And you had people driving from Ohio to Florida to visit pill mills. And then you had pharmacies that would just, like, how can you tell if someone's in acute pain? That was the problem. They couldn't tell. So, So,
2: okay, let me ask you a question. And, and, and I'm, I, I'm very happy I, I took your call. So people will use opioids because they're addicted, you're saying, and they could go to pill mills. Okay. So people who are addicted to alcohol can go to alcohol mills. It's called a supermarket. It's called a liquor store. It's called a bar. Would you ban that?
1: Yeah, I mean, to be quite honest with you, yeah. <laughs> okay, so... so I mean, on not know how fueling alcohol problems in this country helps our country, but... I mean, Dennis, you're, you're equating two different things. No, I'm not. You are.
2: by the way, you're right. In, in a sense, you're right. For, it's wrong for me to compare because liquor is so much more dangerous than opioids because people, me, people on opioid. let me finish, people on opioids don't hurt others. They hurt themselves. People on alcohol abuse, 50% of child abuse is done by a drunk person.
1: Dennis, you don't think there's people committing crimes to get more money for opiates out here? Because they can't get them legally. <laughs> yeah, but you're not. they You still have to come up with the money. Not all these people that are oh, heroin addicts have uh, a prescription plan. Right. Is,
2: uh, I, <laughs> so I, I don't their- know enough about the subject. Are you telling me heroin is, is used as a painkiller because they don't get a, an, a yes. prescription painkiller? Yes. After they okay were
1: shut down, everyone moved to the heroin, and it ruined the generation. Of the yeah, country. all
2: right. So maybe we shouldn't have shut down the issue. Look, there's no happy answer. The human species is a very troubled, complex, uh, not wonderful species. Okay? I don't know why God made the human species so with so many predilections to uh, damage themselves and others. But... It is what it is between the two extremes. I don't want to hurt the people in terrible pain, and you're right. How do you know whether they're bluffing or not i guess i guess I guess there's no way you can't measure pain on an m r i That's true uh what- what is the old adage i I would rather uh, let a hundred uh, guilty men free than Execute one innocent? Well, I don't know if that's true, but it's certainly what people say. Maybe we should say that about opioids. All right. Back in a moment.
0: The Dennis Prager Show.
2: Hi everybody, Dennis Prager here with the despicable CDC new guidelines to, to make it harder for people in chronic pain. I I find it unbelievable the argument, well people will abuse it. So what? So therefore you punish the people in chronic pain because other people will abuse it? I don't understand how you could have all these laws limiting painkillers but no laws limiting alcohol. I don't I don't get it. Do people abuse children after taking a painkiller? Do people commit rape after a, a, a painkiller? Are painkiller patients uh, like drunk drivers? Do you know how much violence, rape, abuse is accompanied by alcohol and that we're fine with? And we should be, by the way. I'm not for prohibiting uh, alcohol. So why are we prohibiting painkillers? Mission Viejo, California. Carol, hello.
3: Hello there, Dennis. Hi. Boy, I was applauding you so much today, as I often do, but today meant a lot to hear you speaking about this in many different ways. And uh, I've been following CDC guidelines and or, or reading about them and about the um the new law in California, which really worries me when it comes to my doctors. And I, w- I will ask them directly if they are going to follow the strict guidelines of the CDC in California, because then how can I trust them to do the best for me?
2: Yeah, you can't.
3: I didn't want the COVID yes. shot.
2: Right. That's right. That. Well, that's what's happened. Exactly. Doctors need to know this. We trust, we trust not you as a human being. You may be a wonderful human being. We trust you as a doctor less and less because you're prohibited from speaking truth. Yeah, and and, and many of you are sheep. CDC says vaccines work, so give them to children. Really? You're a doctor and you're proud of recommending that children get the quote-unquote vaccine? Are you proud of it? Anyway, that's another issue, one I've covered many times. I'm not vaccinated. I thank God. I thank God that I, I realized what was going on very early on. Thank you, Carol. Uh, let's see here. Uh, okay, let's go to uh, Madeline in L.A. Hello, Madeline.
1: Dennis, hi. Hi. Yes, I um, had wrist surgery. And I got three days of uh, painkiller, which really wasn't enough because it was my dominant hand, which I use for everything. And I'm not good with some people can work with their less dominant hand, but I couldn't even open my house door. And they refused to give me more than three days. They said they're not allowed to. So that's what happened to me. And I had to suffer through it for two or three months until it right. calmed down by itself.
2: Yep. Okay. So please, doctors, you need to understand the AMA, the CDC, have rendered you, in the patient's eyes, unworthy of the title physician. I don't blame you necessarily. I blame you for being sheep-like with, uh, when you are. I, I blame you if you cut off healthy girls' breasts because they say they're boys but th- that's, that's not the majority of you. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Carolyn in Texas has had chronic pain for years. The doctors can see she's in pain, and they're afraid to prescribe. And that's Texas. I wonder if in Florida it's the same. I do wonder. Mike in Montclair, New Jersey says, it's more nuanced than I'm stating because painkillers are being abused. That's correct. I know that. What isn't abused? So because people abuse it, we can torture people? We can legally torture people? If there's a sicker idea out there, I'm not sure I know what it is. Yep, because some people abuse painkillers. You're going to stay in chronic pain, fella. Have a great day. Wow. I don't get it. I admit it. I don't get it. It's not that I just differ. I don't even get it. Well, it's not the only time I'm going to be covering this. But uh, I salute you. say for even publishing the piece, because they're on the left, but he's, he's one of their writers. And he's disabled, so I guess they allowed it. <laughs>
0: What a little love
2: could mean Hello my friends, Dennis oh, Prager here. You stay by my side. I'm going to continue in the course me. of the foreseeable future talking about the, the, the choice to allow people to suffer excruciating pain because of the opioid bans. Right now I'm going to go to uh, another truly a tragic aspect of our society, the, from the sick world of the CDC and American medicine to the sick world of environmentalism. It's amazing we're still surviving because virtually every major institution has become morally and intellectually corrupt. But there are courageous people. Brian Gitt is one of them. He's been a lifelong environmentalist. And still cares deeply about the environment, but he started to realize that the environmentalist movement is misleading people. He gives the latest PragerU video, Confessions of an Environmentalist. You should see it. It's only five minutes. They're all five minutes at PragerU.com. Brian Gitt, thank you for a terrific video.
4: Thank you, Dennis. I really appreciate the opportunity to to work on the video with PragerU and to talk with you today. Good.
2: Why don't you give people a, a brief background about you and the conclusions you have drawn?
4: Sure. Well, I really fell in love with the outdoors when I was a teenager. I used to lead outdoor adventure trips for teenagers in Alaska. We'd go backpacking and ice climbing and mountaineering for for weeks at a time. I spent a lot of time hiking through national parks, and I just fell in love with the outdoors. And as an impressionable young man, I I wanted to do something to protect these beautiful areas. And so that really drew me to understanding energy and the built environment and, and these various associated environmental issues. And so I went to work in the energy industry in, in on environmental issues in California. I've, I was living in San Francisco in the Bay Area, kind of the epicenter of a lot of these ideas. And um, I worked on a whole variety of different projects over the years to foster and promote renewable energy, such as solar and wind power, energy efficiency all of these ideas that I thought were going to minimize environmental harm and protect these beautiful wilderness areas that I fell in love with uh, as a teenager. And what I witnessed over the course of many years was that these programs were failing. They they weren't actually achieving the desired results that we had hoped they would. And I, I think one of the, the most catastrophic failures was um, during the Obama administration. Uh, during the Recovery Act when after the big recession and there was a lot of federal money that was pumped into the energy sector to create jobs to put people back to work, but to do it by making homes more energy efficient and to reduce emissions. That was kind of the the mandate of this money. It was kind of two pronged: create jobs and, you know, kind of per- make buildings more energy efficient and I was kind of on the front lines of that. My, my company at the time, we were very successful in securing some significant contracts. We won a $60 million contract to help implement this program. When We worked with local governments all throughout the state of California. We worked with the large utilities. Uh, we were working with the feds uh, in terms of Department of Energy and the California Energy Commission because that's where the money was coming from. And that's who we're, we were reporting out to. And what we found, what I found through this process of, with all the best intentions, I mean, I think all of the people I was working with really genuinely wanted to create jobs and wanted to save energy, but our program really didn't live up to the hype of what we were aspiring to do. And, I, you know, at, at that moment, you, you have a choice, I guess, <laughs> when you face, when you're staring reality in the face. You can either uh, accept it and try to introspect and understand what is going wrong so you can do to fix it, or you can kind of paper over it and pretend everything is working just fine. Well, I, I, I couldn't just pretend that this program was working, and so I really started to dig deep into the underlying principles that guided us to even design these programs in the way that we designed them, um, and to think about these issues from first principles. And that, that sent me down the rabbit hole of really thinking uh, deeply about the energy system and how we are deploying just a massive amount of financial and human resources to solve some of these critical environmental problems and why, unfortunately, a lot of these policies and, and investments are misguided. Well,
2: in a, in a nutshell... What do you primarily hold as your alienation from the environmentalist movement as opposed to you you're not alienated from protecting the environment what what do they stand for do you do you do you believe that the movement to wind and solar is is misguided? do you believe the suppression of the gasoline automobile is misguided what specifically?
4: I think really, if you get to the root of the issue, and this, is, this really maps to my own personal transformation and my own personal journey. I think all of us want a sense of purpose. We want a sense of meaning in our lives. I mean, I, one of my favorite books um, written by Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning, Dr. Frankl outlines that there's three main paths that you can find meaning in your life. Through meaningful work, through nurturing and caring for another person, such as raising a child or through overcoming adversity and suffering. And I think a lot of people are searching for meaning and a sense of purpose. And that's what I was doing, and that's why I gravitated to working in the environmental field, to working on policies and issues related to renewable energy and energy efficiency, because I was deriving a sense of purpose and a sense of meaning. I think for many of the people involved, that is what is driving them. Um, however, I think if they really want to be effective in achieving the outcomes that they're desiring, they really need to take a very different approach, because solar and wind power are not going to ultimately achieve the desired goal. Yeah, that's right. If your desired if your desired goal is to is to minimize harm to the natural world, to protect wildlife habitat, to mine less materials, to
2: yeah, I got you. I salute you. It's a second. Hi there, everybody. Dennis Prager, final segment of the show. Brian Gitt, whose latest video, this major environmentalist, and now, as we put it, he has seen the light. As I have told you, we have more secular religion or as much secular religion as we have religious religion or god-based religion or bible-based in this country and certainly outside of this country in the west there are far more secular religions environmentalism being among the biggest feminism being another one marxism being another one all the isms and that's uh, he he is right about that that uh, issue I talked about the the cruelty of the medical profession and the CDC on the opioid issue, allowing people to suffer excruciating pain because there are people who abuse opioids. I don't know of an equivalent example of because some people abuse something, you deprive people of what is necessary for their life. I'm telling you, colleges graduate morons. Because if you asked an eighth grader, people could who are in horrible pain can get a pill. But some people take those pills because they shouldn't. Would you say to the person in horrible pain, you can't have that pill? And they would think, what kind of stupid question is that? And the answer is, as Orwell put it, Something so stupid, only an intellectual can believe it. Quickly here in Akron, Ohio, Gina, hello.
1: Hi, Dennis. Thanks for taking my call. I just, when you mentioned about the sheep, the medical sheep, uh, I had to call you and tell you.
3: We've been uh, with the Cleveland Clinic for probably 30 years now, and uh, they did an extensive study early in the pandemic about natural immunity. They followed thousands of patients and also their own staff and found out these benefits were great. And they published this all over. I mean, it was on every national news channel you could find. Very quietly, all of a sudden, that thing just disappeared. Uh, yes,
2: you know what? I'm going to follow up on that. I believe you. See you tomorrow, all. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at
0: PragerTopia.com